If you'll turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15, I am the vine and the branches. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that does produce fruit, so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as the branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in my words, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. There is no source of joy outside of Christ. There is no source of fruit outside of Christ. There's no source of life outside of Christ. He is the source of everything. A quick quote for you. Matthew Henry said this, Christ and his church are the vineyard planted on the earth. He is the Word made flesh. The vine is a spreading plant, and Christ's salvation will spread to the ends of the earth. The fruit of the vine honors God and cheers man. So does the fruit of Christ's mediation on our behalf, the gift of salvation. It is better than gold. Our lives are the branches on the vine, and Christ is the root. The roots of the plant are hidden, but the fruit of the plant is evidence of healthy roots. He is saying that we are to bear fruit, and in order to do so, we must simply abide in Him. The fruit that we bear is evidence of our salvation. If you have no fruit, if we have no fruit, we don't know Christ. And if we do produce fruit, if we are currently doing so, we must be ready for God to prune us in order that we might produce more. Jesus is the source of all life, of truth, of direction, and of joy. We will not find any of that without him. So how do we abide in him in order to produce more fruit? And what if we're not producing anything right now? How do we come more fruitful? By remembering that he is the source of everything, trusting and waiting on the Lord. Everything good we have is a gift from him, and everything that happens to us that we experience, good or bad, happens because he allowed it to happen in our lives. Therefore, it has a purpose. And if it has a purpose, it's for your good, and you cannot worry about that. Think about it. Have you ever complained that your job doesn't fulfill you? It shouldn't. Have you ever said, my husband or my wife doesn't complete me? They shouldn't. It's all about Jesus Christ. He is a jealous God. And as a friend of mine said to me one time, when I didn't feel like I was producing a lot of fruit and I was looking at other people's statuses and postured ministries, 
comparing it to myself, and I had no joy. I was losing my joy. He said, Dylan, God will leave you in the desert until you see that he is the only thing that will quench your thirst. God will remove so much out of your life, even good out of your life, to make room for the great things that he has planned for you. I want to talk about some things, though. In light of what I've just said, he will leave you in the desert in order for you to see that he's the only thing that will quench your thirst. The imagery of the vine is so good here because what does a plant need in order to grow, in order to thrive, in order to produce fruit? Water. And the Word of God tells us that we are saved, and when we become saved, we become vessels of life-giving water. Are we living in light of that reality, though? When you are thirsty spiritually, what do you go to to quench your thirst? Is it TV? Is it food and drinks? Is it self-help books? There are so many things in this world, good and bad, that can distract us from the source of it all. The life-giving water that is within us, we must be careful to not let them distract us. So what are some examples of good and bad, false cisterns in our lives? I think we all understand bad ones, but let's look at a couple good ones. I mentioned earlier your marriage, that your spouse doesn't complete you and that they shouldn't. Your marriage can be one of these false cisterns. You can find your joy, you can find your fulfillment in that, but it's false, it produces no water, and it will produce no fruit if it's not pointing to Christ at the end. The way that we talk to our spouse can be sweet and romantic language, or it can be a reality that takes our eyes from Christ. I tell my wife all the time that she's my whole world. What a lie. And she's smarter than me, so she knows that it's a lie. She knows that I've been saved, and as a result of that love that Christ showed me, I love him, and I want to serve him. And though I fail, I try to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. There would be a problem if she fulfilled me that way. The church is another one. I've seen it many times when someone starts to show up here and they start getting love and support, they get food and fellowship, and they continue to come for those things. Then they start to date somebody in their class, and it's so sweet at first. They sit together and worship. The guy puts his arm around the girl. They're singing praise to God. It, it's cute. It's great. But then one day they're both gone. They broke up. And they had stopped coming to church for Christ a long time ago, if they ever did at all. And they just can't possibly see their ex. Don't get me wrong, we should do all of those things as a church for our body, but the focus of everything must be on Christ or it is all wrong. It is all done in vain and it will produce no fruit. People will only stay for what they come for. If it was food, if it was entertainment, if it was community, that will be what they stay for. And their membership and participation with said church will be completely contingent on that. But when somebody comes to this church for Christ, and that's what we give them, they will keep coming back 
They will plant roots and grow. They will be grafted into the body. They will produce fruit, and God will be brought glory as we advance His kingdom. We also need to remember that God disciplines us because He loves us. He prunes us because He loves us. And sometimes it hurts. But so often you'll notice that we are currently being disciplined. When that's going on in our lives, we just assume it's the world or it's the devil, it's the enemy. And maybe it is. But that doesn't change the fact that the sovereign God of the universe allowed it to happen in your life. Therefore, there's a purpose. It's going to teach you something. It's going to strengthen your faith. It's going to make you more like Jesus Christ. So don't fret if you feel like you're not producing anything this season. If you've been trying and trying to force it, but nothing is coming, nothing is working, don't feel condemnation. Your Father who loves you is disciplining you. He's pruning you because He loves you. And it wouldn't hurt if you were spiritually dead. And that's something to think about. It wouldn't hurt if you were spiritually dead, this pruning process. And it wouldn't hurt. When the time comes, you will see fruit in your life that is so good that you know it could only have come from God. Verses 3 to 5 say, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you, just as the branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. This is a really big and beautiful thing to understand. Jesus is telling his disciples that they are already clean. Why? Because of the word I have spoken to you. He chose them. He taught them. They believed him and they believed in him. He knew that it would be less than 24 hours before they would betray him. He knew Peter's denial was coming of even knowing him. He knew all the ways that they would fall and fail in their futures, but they were already clean because of their true faith, faith in Christ, evidenced by the good fruit they produce. And in verse 5 it says, For who abides in me can do all things, but the one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me. Yes, there is a negative in this text, but it should raise in our souls a hope and a joy that we can bring glory to God through Him. We know that apart from Him, we have no hope at even attempting holiness. But with Him, with Him, we can overcome the world, the flesh, and the enemy. With Christ, we can overcome all things. This is important to unpack for a second, though, because any one of us who has walked with God for a long time at all knows that there are seasons of secret root growing before any fruit shows up. I believe that this is one of the problems that we have as believers today, especially here in America. We have instant coffee, we have instant popcorn, we have instant everything. We are asking God to bear fruit in our lives, but we are unable or unwilling to let Him spread roots of secret first 
We don't want to wait. We're missing it all. And we need to understand that you need time to grow. And in our proper time, in his perfect time, he will raise us up to do great things for his kingdom and his glory. And verse 7 and 8, it says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. It's so important that our Christian walks be more than just a list of principles, but rather that we examine our lives through the lens of the Creator and we ask ourselves, is this bringing glory to Him? When we live our lives focused not on rules, but on bringing Him glory, we will only ask Him for more of Him. We will only ask Him for things that as a result would bring Him glory. It reminds me of the text, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Remain in me, and my words remain in you, and ask whatever you want and it will be done. Nowhere in here is it talking about a car or a job or a promotion or a house. We tend to get this all wrong. It's not about me. It's not about what I want of the world or what I desire physically. It is about a change in your nature. It's about an attitude change. Your character changes. When we say, when he says, delight yourself in me, what does that mean? I will give you the desires of your heart. What does that mean? When the desires of your heart are for more of him. Hello. When the desires of your heart are for more of him, he is always faithful to reveal more of himself. He is the never-ending source of forgiveness and love, of wisdom and knowledge, purpose and joy the source of all things. Apart from him, not one thing was created, but when you remain in him and his word in you, you will only ask of him for more of what he is already providing. And he, being rich in love and kindness, will reveal himself even more. He will mold you, he will prune you, and he will even break you at times, if necessary, to build you back and make you more like Christ, to make you capable of producing more fruit. In verses 9 to 11, it says, As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in me. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. God loves us. Christ died to save us. So don't walk in condemnation, but remain in his love. When he says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, that can sound like a very works-based salvation model, and it absolutely is not. What it is simply saying is if you remain in his love, as a result, you will keep his commands more and more. In our sanctification, 
We don't learn to obey his laws more and as a result learn to love him more. It's quite the opposite. We learn how he loves us, how he died for us, how he saved us. We love him more and as a result we obey him more. We learn to love him more and we begin to address the mess in our lives. We get rid of the things that lead us away from him and we begin to walk more upright, healthy, fruitful, holy lives for Christ. The whole goal of this life is to be more like Christ. The more we remain in him, the more we abide in him, the more we will become like him. We do not know the level of sanctification at which we will attain on this side of glory, but we know that the God who saved us, the same God who began a good work in us is faithful and he promises to complete it. And when we see him face to face, do not worry. You are already clean because of the words I have spoken to you. Remain in me, abide in me, obey my commands, and I will produce great fruit in your life. So understanding that it is his love that causes our obedience, when he says in the next verses that this is so his joy may be in us and our joy may be complete, we need to understand that our joy must not be before our good works, that our joy, I'm sorry, we need to understand that our joy must come before our good works or our obedience and not the other way around. If your joy is dictated by your own works, then you will be emotionally tossed around like the waves of the sea. One day joy, the next day shame. The next day joy, the next guilt. You are inconsistent. We all are. You of your own power will produce good and bad fruit for the rest of your life. But God is constant. We are to abide in him, to plant our roots in him, to build our foundations on him. We will be planted and not be tossed around because we can know that every time we turn to him and we abide in him, we remain in his love and he will produce good fruit. So the application I have today for this message is pretty simple. How do we go about our day trying to be more fruitful? I think it's two things. I think first, we focus on the things in our lives that stir our affections for God and we avoid the things that diminish those affections. And the second thing is we feed our soul like we feed our bellies. Find that time that you can be alone with God each day and ask him to show you these things. Study his word, feed on his word, meditate on his word, 
What stirs your affections for him? Is it worship? Is it nature? Is it time with your family? Is it working with your hands? For me, it's being here in this building, watching my wife and the rest of the body of Christ singing praise. I tear up almost every week. What stifles those affections for God? Is it watching too much sports? Is it TV in general? I can't spend too much time involved in politics. I get angry. I start to act like the people I'm seeing on TV or the ones I'm reading about. I can't spend too much time with my old friends without starting to sound like them. My challenge to us all is to find time in the next few days and really reflect on your life. Are there things you should be doing more? Are there things that are distractions from God? And then make a real, honest effort to change your routine, to ensure that you are abiding in Him and that you are producing fruit. For this is our assurance. This is the evidence of our salvation.